We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. Back for a third straight day here with the podcast. I told you, once I got better, you guys were not going to be able to get rid of me. Wednesday episode, special bonus episode. I'm joined today by a good friend, Buffalo Bills beat reporter, Matt Perino. It's funny because I've had you on the show several times and this is for 95% of the time I do a podcast for the most part when you do shout with Ryan you guys are doing it from your home you know your home office your home studios but when I have you on it's rare to have you on the the traditional way I guess we'll call this because almost every time I do a show with you it's live somewhere over wings whether it's Imperial or Mulberry or or Amherst Ale House, or even Autobahn North, we've done a show there before. So mm. it's kind of weird almost having you in your familiar home office setup that I see all the time when you and Ryan uh, do shop. But what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm great. You're right. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hungry all of a sudden. Like, I'd love to crush <laughs> some wings. Uh, I, I feel like just being around you. I also am noticing, as you had my picture up before the show, you could tell that we're in the middle or starting winter. Because I look as white as a ghost. I had a nice tan in that picture. That's a post-training camp picture. Now we're we're all the way into the season right now. Yeah, we are. And we might talk a little bit about the Bills, but I I kind of want to let everybody know that when I have, especially when I have you on, I like to do things a little bit differently. Obviously, you're a Bills reporter. You're as plugged in as literally anyone who covers the Bills. But when I get you on, man, I like to do different things. Well, like I said, well, it's over wings, talk about your life, your career. Today, what I kind of want to do, because I've always thought this was interesting, and I know there's enough people out there listening that would be interested in this type of thing as well. I always wonder what it's like to cover a team, a beat for a team, not so much at home, because that's a you know a regular routine. You go from your house to the stadium. You do that all the time. But when you hit the road and you cover a, a game on the road, all the little things they kind of go into that. Kind of, we'll, we'll peel back the current a little bit today. We'll give listeners a little bit of ins- insight to what it's like to to cover an NFL team uh, on the road. Sound good to you, man? Sounds great to me. Yeah, all right. Some of, some of the funnest times that I have over the course of the season are on the road. And like the cool thing about this job, as opposed to like other like beat reporters around the league, and I talk to them about this when I'm I'm in different cities. 
is like the fan base does not travel like this for probably 27 or 28 other teams. Like there might be one or two that have a pretty good father. The Steelers do pretty well on the road and so on and so forth. But every city becomes like this massive party. And like, because of the job, it's almost like I get to be a part of the party, but also like just witness it and kind of chronicle it, you know, place to place. And even last year during the, um, the Kansas city game, when that sweet potato story took off, about the kid that was sneaking him into the game now, because of the fan base and the road, there was a bunch of people coming out there and became this like huge story. Like, um, and I did it all from the road in Kansas city, talking to people that were going to the game and so on and so forth. So yeah, I mean, it's, there's never a dull moment. Yeah. And that's cool. And we're going to get into, like I said, some of the little ins and outs of covering games on the road. Actually, you know, I'm thinking about it too. Now, last time we got together, I actually got to play a producer a little bit. Matt did Ooh. shout, and he had Stevie Johnson with him. He did a show live at Imperial, and I got to be behind the scenes, and th- and that was really cool. And I'll tell you, man, um, it was really cool as a an observer. So you're doing the show with Stevie, and you guys are having your conversation. You know, you're doing your thing like you always do. And I'm kind of find myself because again, I'm not interviewing anyone. I'm just making sure you're sound and your and and your uh audio or your videos looking pretty good but i'm looking around the the, the pizzeria and, and it's really pretty cool to see people locked in on stevie johnson you know what i mean it's kind of like when you see somebody living that like kind of celebrity status which by the way i mean i mean you know this is stevie couldn't be more down to earth man. Mm. He, was, he was a he was a really good dude that was a fun time got to hang out with your wife a little bit which by the way I, i've said this, i love your wife she's she's i think you would admit this too more i know i will hopefully you will too when it comes to like pop culture stuff, music and movies and TV shows, she kind of blows us both away, man. Like she knows yeah. she's the she knows a lot more than either of us do. So it's always cool to spend time with her as well. If she ever like um, slows down in her professional career, which she's just getting geared up, so I don't see that happening anytime soon. She would absolutely crush like a, a pop culture Buffalo podcast. Sure. Like she's so fun. Like I'm so glad that she's on Twitter now because people get to kind of experience her a little bit more. She's one of my favorite um, Twitter followers. Fun. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. it's really cool, man. By the way, lots changed too. You've been on this podcast a lot. I went back and in fact, I listened to about 15 minutes of it earlier this morning, all the way back to episode 42. This is like 510, July 2018, when you first now again, you're from Western New York. You're born and raised here, but you're in Vegas and, and you came back and you were just getting started on the Bills beat, getting ready for training camp when I first said, Yeah, man, so much has changed since then. I did that interview. I remember it because I think it was one of my first like actual like uh, like appearances on a show. Yeah. And um, so I'll never forget it. I was doing it in the the spare bedroom at my mother and father-in-law's in Williamsville, I had put together kind of like, um, like a, some type of makeshift audio situation. So it wouldn't be horrible. Cause I remember the first thing that you said to me when you set up the interview is like, I really, you know, take pride in my audio quality for my show. And I'm like, Oh shoot, I better, better make sure that this is uh, up to snuff. I tried my best. I think it might've just been ended up being like a, like a phone call or something, but I was trying to use like a mic and I don't know, but yeah, I remember it, man. It was a, it was a great time. I'm glad that we connected when we did. I, I, I always loved doing your show. Uh, it, it sounded good too, by the way. Oh, by the way, I, don't, I also don't want to disrespect. I was going through some of the places you and I have done live shows. How could I forget? Casey's Black Tavern. <laughs> Got to add that to the list too. Those wings were the one bottom. Of the goats. And, and one of the reasons why that's coming back to me now when I remember that, because you were talking about the first time you were on this show and the audio and all that. That was the first conversation, at least, that I had with you. And I remember this is when you were first starting to put together the idea and talking about doing 
your pod, your video podcast and, and, and doing it on YouTube. You were getting ready to uh, get that launched not long after I had you on at Casey's. I remember that because uh, I was like, all right, cool, man. You're going to be doing video now. Like, great. Which, by the way, I mean, this shit has really taken off for you and uh, and Ryan over these last couple of years. I mean, wow, man, you you guys are really <sighs> putting it on. Business is booming, man. We, we're, we're talking to some other you know, potential sponsors that want to come aboard. I mean, I th- it's kind of a fun, um, interactive podcast that also, like, I, I feel like it, it, like it lives in its own kind of weird world. Like we have this great community of like fan driven podcasts and this great like media driven podcasts like mm-hmm. that are in the building. And I feel like we kind of are the one group that kind of, you know, is in that world. needle. Yeah, yeah. You, thread, you guys thread that needle really well. Absolutely, yeah. man. And you and you could tell the difference. And it, it really, it really is. I, I laugh because I'm not laughing because there's nothing funny about it, but it's just funny because I do remember that conversation with you at Casey's when you were talking about putting this together. And it's just, it, it blows my mind how much it's been able to uh, to grow. And it's a lot of fun to watch and listen to. But anyway, like I said, I, I today I, I kind of want, this won't be a particularly long episode, but I, I want to take listeners a little bit behind the curtain and talk about what it's like with, with a beat reporter when they hit the road. Um, yeah. So now, you know, you, let's just say, for example, you know, you're going to like, you're going to be in Foxborough. That's where the bills played their last game. Now that's a Thursday night game. That's rare. Typically, you know, more times than not, the bills will be on the road on a Sunday. Although I don't know the way it is today with the bills that they play in prime time so much Sunday, <laughs> 1 PM is actually kind of becoming a rarity, but let's just use Foxborough for an example. You know, you're covering the bills. It's a Thursday night game. How far out in advance are you when it comes to like making your travel plans, your flight, your hotel? Do you book the flights in the hotel? Does someone from New York up to it? Uh, do you confer with some of your bills, media colleagues when, when you're planning travel stuff? It's different for everybody. So from company to company, like I know, um, I don't want to speak for anybody, I guess, but some people do. Um, they have like a, a specific department for their company that books out all the travel. That was like the, what it was like at the UFC. I basically told a travel agent like in the company where I wanted, when I wanted to leave and what time and everything like that, and when I wanted to come back and then they would book everything and send me my information. Mm-hmm. I am my own personal travel agent on the right. beat. So I book all of my travel, all of my hotels, which is nice, but at the same time, because, you know, you really have control and, you know, the flexibility to kind of go in and go out when you need to. But it is, a, a, it's a huge extra part of the job. And so I do most of my booking traditionally, like right after training camp, like right, like in the preseason, I try to get ahead, as, ahead of things as far out as I can. This year, it's been a little bit more piecemeal, a little bit more book as you go. Uh, part of the reason for that is there's been a lot of kind of funky dates. Like they've played on different days, like a lot of holidays. So the Thanksgiving stuff, obviously the Thanksgiving situation threw everything into a, a, a crazy tailspin. And that's kind of an f- interesting story about like, you know, 24, 48 hours out planning a last minute trip to Detroit, which luckily is Detroit and not LA. So I was able to drive and I was planning to drive on Thanksgiving anyway. Uh, but usually that's when we start to book it. And, um, try to get as much of it done as possible. And I do coordinate with other people on the beat. I, I would say I have, a, I have a few travel buddies, but probably the guy that I spend the most time with on the road and coordinate the most with is Jay Skursky from the Buffalo news. Mm-hmm. Um, we've become really good friends. Our, our kids go to the same school or in the same class, play in the same baseball league. And uh, so it's just nice to get on the road. We enjoy spending time with each other, going to dinner, 
Um, and, and that's another thing. We've talked about this on the show before. Like the beat is really, really close. You know, Joe Biscaglia, Matt Bovey, Sal Capaccio, Josh Reed, John Scott. It doesn't matter who you want, Elena Getzenberg, Catherine Fitzgerald. It doesn't matter who you want to throw in. We all end up usually spending some t- amount of time together on the road, most trips. Uh, and so usually like I'll send a couple of games that I'm, that I'm either thinking about booking or um, I, that I just booked to Jay or a few other people. And then uh, I'll get it back. Like Catherine just texted us today. I'm not putting this out. I mean, it's, we're all kind of going through this process and she's like, you know, are you guys coming back? We're taking the Christmas Eve game flight that night back to Buffalo. I got to get back for Christmas with the kids. And she's like, she's going to book the flight that Jay and I are on. And so she was just trying to make sure that there's room in the rental car. It's like, we're always kind of doing stuff like that, checking and, um, you know, cause you know, where you can, it, it makes a lot of sense to try to save. Like, I don't think four people, if you could kind of get in the same ride are trying to rent a car every single trip. It's like, it can get like tedious and expensive. So we try to like play it that way. And it's a pretty cool beat from that perspective. You you talk about trying to plan stuff out in advance, but sometimes, like you said, a monkey wrench will get thrown into your program and unplanned things happen. For an example, the Bills having to go to, to Detroit to play the Browns because of the weather or a team, like I'm thinking about Marcel right now in Miami. You know, he was planning on coming. I mean, it's only a one-day difference, but it's still a difference. You know, he's got travel arrangements, I'm sure, pre-booked, and he thinks he's coming to Buffalo on, you know, Sunday the 18th, and then you find out less than two weeks before the game that no, now the Bills are going to be playing Miami on Saturday night. How much of a monkey wrench is that throwing in? And can that be challenging when you got to kind of scramble? Because we all know from just booking flights, forget about sports, just booking flights, period, could be challenging. And then when you got to move things around. I, I have become really, really nimble with that. That's been a benefit of the, of the job. Like, you know, I, you know, Jay was actually telling us a story a couple of weeks ago about a time when he was on the road to, um, to the airport from the stadium and his flight got canceled as he was driving and had to book another flight while he was driving to come back to Buffalo on a completely different airline. We had to do stuff like that all the time. But you mentioned Marcel's the grind of a three week period that he's going to have. I haven't actually talked to him about this. I'm hoping to get him on the podcast next week. So don't be reaching out to him to try to have him on next week. Cause I don't want to overload his. If his I get him wings on him, I'm good, man. Um, that goes out. To, that goes out to everybody, including John Scott. If you're watching, um, I, I I didn't get him the first time around because uh, when they play the Dolphins, because I didn't want to. It's tough because when you were that prominent in a market, when the team comes back and plays, I'm sure everybody wants to get yeah. him on. And I don't want to overload his plate on on the end of a three week run. That's going to be staying out in California for a week. So that's one piece of it. Now he's from California, so I'm right. sure he's making the most of the time. But he's living out of a suitcase for like a week, and then cover two football games, fly all the way back to Miami for a couple of days and then back to Buffalo. I mean, you're really, you know, testing the limits of air travel over a, you know, short period of time there. And so, yeah, that's a really tough, challenging situation, but it's one that, you know, it, I think the longer you do this, the easier all that gets. I mean, um, there's not really a lot of situations that I would panic in when it comes to booking travel at this point. Now you kind of answered this, but again, I'm sure some people are wondering, so you're more or less have already confirmed this, but, like when it comes to the team, they don't have any kind of like itinerary for media, like staying in like the official. I know the team stays, you know, in the same hotel every time they go to a city with, with the media. It's like, it's like you guys don't necessarily travel, you know, at the same time the team does or stay in the same hotel as the team does as well. Right. You don't, although it happens like. Sure. Um, and honestly, I, I don't love when it happens. Um, it's kind of awkward because. 
I have like good relationships with a lot of players on the team, like off season, like, you know, I mentioned to you, uh, earlier like i went to jordan poyer's house in fort lauderdale over the off season just to chat with them check up with them um tommy sweeney john feliciano who used to be here like a lot of good interpersonal communication with a lot of players that where if i'm around them in any setting it's it's totally fine but think about this i'm a i'm, I'm a reporter that covers the team and it's like less than 24 hours before they're about to play and they're coming down in an elevator and they got to run into me the last person that they want to see like getting prepared for a game because I am kind of associated with like any of us are like, you know, answering questions and another part of the job. And they're able to really kind of lock into that part of the job, that last minute preparations in those hotels. So I try my best not to be in that one, but I was in one in LA because of the lack of options around the airport. I think that we all just ended up at the same spot. I don't know if it was a West End or something like that. And uh, honestly, like, best case scenario that doesn't happen in the future because you're just you're just forced into all of these just uncomfortable like listen i know you don't want me around right now i'm right. putting my head down i'm trying to get out of this situation i'm not trying to add to it wednesday through friday that's my time saturday that's their time i want to take a real quick detour although this is kind of related to your job but it doesn't necessarily do anything with being on the road or stuff but you speak of that having personal relationships of course you guys develop personal relationships with some of these players you mentioned for an example i'm just using him as one example but i know you have a a, a good relationship with tommy sweeney okay i'll just throw that name out there as a fan i like tommy sweeney but as a fan like for an example last week tommy sweeney was almost the cause of uh a beer a full beer can going through my television when he got <laughs> called for that holy penalty which wiped out that josh allen touchdown pass to right five digs as a journalist, can it be a, I know you do it and I know you do it well. All right. I know you and I know the job you do. So I, I know you do it well, but is it difficult? Can it be difficult when you have to kind of differentiate being, having a sometimes friendship, but at least a professional respect for each other. But then, then, you know, now that had no, ended up having no bearing on the game, the play that I'm referencing with Tommy, but just, for an example, when you got to kind of criticize and come down on a player that you like as a human being, as a person, you're a human too. It's not easy, right? No, it can be hard. Um, and, I, and I've had moments in game like that I would love to have back that I thought went too far down the criticism um, path. Mm -hmm. um, but, but Sweeney is a perfect example. I, I brought up the tweet right now because this is a great example to use. as somebody that I'm very friendly with. Um, I, I love being around him. He's a seventh round draft pick that, you know, is hanging around and, and sure. getting a Jersey on game days, but he made a really bad play in that game. And I said, the frustrating part about that play is Sweeney didn't even need to hold them. The defender going to have a hard time getting to Allen as he's evading the pocket. So, you know, commenting on the mistake without kind of, you know, being too explosive about it is something that I've, I've gotten better at with everything. Like there's so much perspective that I get to use because I don't sit in that fiery hot fan chair anymore. Like, and at times I, some of that still comes out of me. Like I thought it was just so egregious that that Patriots game last year in the windstorm, the have it, it was embarrassing, right? Like, I mean, the whole Jerry Sullivan thing to have a guy like Mac Jones, who we've seen what he is now throw it three times in the game and you lose that game. And I had a, I had a tweet that I put out right after and basically said like, man, Sean McDermott got absolutely clowned by Bill Belichick in this game or mm -hmm. something to that effect. And 
looking back on it, I thought it was a little bit aggressive and a little bit like, I don't like to be that shock jock. Like, um, and, and I'm not downplaying that if that's your style, like do, do what, but I want to come at this job with a, a perspective that the fan base can rely on. I don't get too high. I don't get too low. And sometimes that gets misconstrued as like homerism when things are going really well, or like, you know, at times some fans have thought I've been a little bit too critical at times I've gotten emails and, and some of my detractors would probably tell you that that couldn't be the case. But trust me, when you do a three podcasts a week, you would be amazed at the emails that you get about things sure. that you have. And so, yeah, I'm always walking that line. I just think about when I'm sending out a tweet or a report or an article or whatever, would I say this to the person's face? And I would have said that to Sweeney's face. And I guarantee you, if I get a chance to talk to him in the locker room this week, he would be the first person to say, man, I effed up that play. And most yeah. of them are like that. So I think as long as you're respectful about it, and sometimes you can't be. Sometimes it's such a bad performance that you have to be ultra critical. And I think most guys in the locker room, like I've talked to, about this with Jordan and Micah since the Jerry Sullivan thing. Had it been anybody else besides Jerry Sullivan asking that question, it's probably a different um, outcome. And that's not to say that Jerry wasn't doing was it was wrong necessarily. Although sure, I, would I know what you mean. Certain pieces of it. But there's a respect that you can build up in the room, and it helps to be in there every day. Like Jerry, when he was a columnist in the locker room every, ga- every day, there was an interpersonal deal with everybody where there was just a lot more respect involved, and they understood where he was coming from. Critical, but fair. And I just don't know if, because he's only in there once a week now, if maybe that was just lost in that exchange. But it's something I'm always, you know, we're all always trying to think about, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh Back to covering games on the road. Does it vary like how much in advance you you arrive in the town or how long you stay after a game? You typically is it like you leave the day before, two days before, and you come back the next morning? Like is it typically the same or does it vary depending on where you're going? It's pretty typical, although it can vary. Like night games throw things off. Like historically, I've tried to come back in the mornings of, but I'm just getting older. And those just take it out of you for a couple of days. Like if you mm-hmm. cover a game, like I get out of the, the stadium sometimes on the road. I walked out at two and two thirty in the morning uh, in New England, and that was early because we were. I was going to write back at the hotel room, so I took a later flight out the next day. We left, and we had to drive back to Boston actually. So that's kind of a funky trip in general. That was like a thirty minute drive after we left the stadium, and so that was. I got a flight out at noon, but I've done that before. We get out at six. I typically go in the day before. Sometimes I'll go in a little bit earlier if I have friends or family and I want to make like a more of a trip out of it. Like went to Baltimore. Um, my, my sister lives in Fairfax, Virginia. So I took Caitlin and the kids with me on that trip. We stayed in Fairfax because it's only about an hour, a little less than an hour drive to the stadium and made that like a three day weekend. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's pretty typical. Uh, do you kind of, are you like pretty thorough with planning out like your leisure time activities when you hit the road to cover a game, do you like to try to do that ahead of time? Or is it one of those kind of like play it by ear kind of deals? Is it a goal for you also to, when you go to a city, especially if it's for the first time, now you're only in a city, you know, one, two, maybe two and a half days at the very most. And you're busy, you're working, you're, you're writing, you're, you're, you're doing a podcast. It, you know, is it a goal to try to carve up some time to, to sightsee a city, especially yeah. if it's somewhere that you haven't been a lot? Definitely. Um, it's, it's faded a little bit now because I traveled a ton at the UFC. So there's not really mm-hmm. many cities that I'm going to now for the first time. Um, even when I took over the, on the beat, I would say that I had gone to most big major cities. 
Um, so, but there's always a million things that you can find to do in every city. And especially when the family comes along, which isn't as much as I'd like, uh, just because with school and everything like that, especially for my wife, it's just, it's too hard to navigate around most trips. Usually they can make it with, um, with me on one or two a year. Um, but yeah, I, we, you know, just in Boston, uh, we, we had scheduled it so we can go to the Boston Celtics game. I'd never been to the TD garden, watch Jason Tatum dropped 49 points. A lot of it's around sports, right? Like when we went to Chicago, we went to a Cubs game. When we went to, uh, when I went to New York City a couple weeks ago for that Jets game, stayed in the city, went to my first Knicks game at the Garden. I'd been to the Garden for a concert, a couple UFC events, but never for a Knicks game. So that was a bucket list item. So a lot of like sports types of things, especially where, you know, for football, you don't, I'm not really like a, I know this like takes some of the, the lore out of it for some fans, but I don't like experience the NFL as a fan so much anymore because it's, my job, 365, that's what I'm always doing. But when I get to go to a basketball game or even a baseball game, the the fan in me kind of ignites a little bit. So I, I do look for those moments on the road. And any other things, like, you know, when I was in New York City, I don't think it was – I think it was last year I went to a show on Broadway by myself, which was weird. Like, I, I, at first I wasn't going to do it. And my wife's like, just do it. You've never been to Broadway. Like, just do it. So we try to, like I, – I try to check things off the bucket list where I can. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. How do you How do you feel – about traveling just generally at this point. I would imagine it's like a double-edged sword because on one hand, it's cool to, you know, see parts of the country and you're going to other cities all the time and you're seeing all these stadiums, restaurants, cultures of these cities. That'll probably never not be cool. But also, you know, like you said, by no means are you old. Get it up there, man. You got Caitlin. You got the kids. You know, I'm sure you miss time away from home and sometimes you want to be there for something that you can't be. And obviously that sucks, but uh, how do you just feel about traveling in general? And again, I would imagine too, that if, you know, if it's a younger single person who hasn't done it before, cause you have done it with UFC. So it's not like this is the first time in your life that you've ever been on the road to, to cover and do things. So you've done this before the bills, but just mm-hmm. generally speaking, how do you feel about being on the road now that you've done it here in Buffalo for the last five years? I enjoy it. Um, from, from a work perspective, because being like, I work out of my house, right? Mm-hmm. Like when, if I'm not down at the stadium, which is for a few days a week, I'm writing stories and podcasting from my house, which is great. I love time around my family, but it's a challenge at times to get work done in a, you know, a timely fashion or even just like a focused fashion, because there's so many things pulling my attention. You know, even my dog being around, like being home and just him wanting to play with me or, you know, coming sure. down and biting my ankles or whatever. So I appreciate the time on the road to catch up on work, to really have focused time. Like I was telling Caitlin the other day, um, she was like, well, what do you do? What have you been doing? Cause I had, I got to the hotel and I had text her, called her for a while. He's like, to be honest with you, I got in the hotel room, put my, my computer on, opened the lid and just fell into my research for that, uh, that game last week. Um, more than I had in, weeks, months, like it was a big game, divisional game against the Patriots. And I just went down a, a rabbit hole of research, which I'd love to do that for every single game, but there's not that kind of five hour un- uninterrupted window in my life that allows me to do that. So I, that was really helpful. And and those kinds of things happen throughout the season that kind of keep like recharge the energy or, or the brain power, if you will, for the job. Um, so from that perspective, I like it. It allows me to kind of get into almost an office as weird as that sounds.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds, Live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all of your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back with Matt Perino from New York. All right, so you're on the road. You've made your travel arrangements. You go to whatever city, Foxborough, Baltimore, whatever. You, it's a Sunday 1 p.m. game. You know, you you go out for dinner. You do whatever you do Saturday. You wake up game day Sunday. Like, what is your general routine that next morning? Like, what's your typical morning routine, especially if it's like, say, a Bill's afternoon game? So usually I'll get up. If I if it was a lazy week, I'll usually try to get in a workout. Although I'll be honest, I haven't gotten in many on the road this year. Uh, but I've I, I have a gym membership now, so I've been pretty regular. Uh, so I'll get a coffee. Sometimes I'll grab some food, um, but it just depends on timing. Like I, I do the pregame show for CBS, uh, the local affiliate. So I have to be at the stadium most of the time, three hours before kickoff at the latest. So I'm usually waking up, taking a shower, grabbing a coffee, and heading over to the stadium. Um, so there's not a lot of like messing around and, and that's a big reason why the workouts have kind of trailed off in the last couple of years on the road in the past. I've used those as times to really lock in, in the gym, but now 
like because we have such a good routine and my, my daughter's in school full time, my son's in school. Once they go to school, I'm able to kind of get to the gym for, you know, an hour, hour and a half. So the, mm -hmm. things are really good in that department. And so really it's just getting to the stadium, getting, getting situated because the, the drive over to the stadium, depending on the city. And I'm even talking about stadiums I've been to multiple times now. I mean, Miami is a perfect example, like figuring out where to go for the media entrance. Again, it's always like a, an annoying little detail that could sure. add 15 minutes onto your morning. So you have to be proactive when going to the stadium to make sure that you're getting there on time, you're getting to the right spot and it's different at every stadium. So sometimes like you, you'll hit the road, whether it's in an Uber or your rental car over to the stadium with like, like Magellan, like you're just trying to plot the course and trying to figure it all out. Make sure you get up to that press box in time, down in the field in time. Do you have like a specific, like, I don't, I don't want to say press box pal, but like when it, when, when you go on the road or, or as well as home, do you have, are there seats assigned by the team yes. or do you guys, you guys don't get to like pick and sit where you're going to sit. You got to sit wherever they tell you to sit. Right. No, but Elena Getzenberg is my usual, um, uh, press box buddy. And I'm sure she wishes that she could pick, uh, who she could sit next to <laughs> because by the end of most games, she's, she's been pretty annoyed with me by that time. Um, but yeah, usually Joe B and Tim Graham end up on the other side. In most situations, I sit next to Tim and Elena at home games. Uh, the athletics here. Um, I think I'm trying to think who's next. I think then it's the Buffalo news all the way down. Uh, Sal Mayorana and then John Warrow at the end. But on the road, it kind of fluctuates. They give them the list. The Bills do. I think they're same list that they use for home games. But sometimes it it fluctuates. It's a little bit different. But I feel like I've I sat next to Joe B a lot this year, which is its own interesting game day experience. First of all, we're really good buddies and yeah, we, we mess that. around all, all all game long. But it is unbelievable to watch him chart during the games. Like he is not only taking notes on the plays, he's charting like personnel groupings and snap counts and i'm just like my head explodes just watching him do his thing it's crazy I, i'm laughing because um i'm one of the few I'm, I'm i'm privy to some of his famous uh charts i i he showed me a couple one time we did a show at sunny reds and he showed me on his phone some of his charts i was, I was blown away is it is it true is he really at the stadium that much earlier than everyone else because i know that's a kind of like a running joke on twitter he's like always like seems like he's the first one there uh, he is always the first one there. I can't remember if there's – I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think that there's one instance that I can think of where somebody beat him. And it's now become like a thing. Like some people will joke about it. But, dude, that was a night game. It started at 8.15 on Thursday. He was at the stadium before – he said 2 o'clock. I said, no way did you get there at 2 o'clock and have that video out by 2.15 that he does from the stadium. He had to have been there at like early one o'clock hour, which is just that is dedication, that determination and dedication. I love Joe. Another, I'll tell you another person I love too. I want to ask you about Catherine from the Buffalo News, Catherine Fitzgerald. I'm talking about now. I've had her on the show once, so I've had a conversation with her, but that's the only time I've ever actually had a conversation with her. She might be my favorite person to follow on Twitter. I just think she's absolutely hilarious, man. Is she is witty in person in real life as she appears to be on social media because i'll tell you man her twitter is fire i love following her oh yeah she's got the zingers for days in real per in real life and uh on social media and she's also a great addition to the beat um she she's really like lighthearted and 
um, goes with the flow and just has like a great like demeanor, like always smiling, which I think is so great in a press corps uh, when I'm not going to name names, but there are some people that are just kind of grumpy by nature. And so like having more of those people that are, I can be grumpy on days. Like it's, it's like any type of job. And she always seems to be like in a good mood and she's super clever and funny. Um, So yeah, she's, she's great. Buffalo bills media, much more upbeat than Buffalo Sabres media. I'm just going to be the one to put it out there. A lot of grumpy ass people on the Sabres beat, but anyway, that's there to save you all. (laughs) That's another story. But anyway, so now you haven't been on the NFL beat for that long, but you're also, you're not a rookie anymore by any means either. Have you started to develop some relationships with any like beat reporters from other teams? And obviously I'm not counting Marcel don't count, but you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Have you started to develop some friendships with some, some men or women that cover other teams? Yes, but mostly like informal ones. Like there's not like anybody that I'm like, you know, um, that I can think of if I'm in town, like we're going to grab beers, like on vacation. Now there are beat reporters, like for instance, Andrew Callahan in, uh, he works for the Boston Herald. I did his podcast last week. Great guy. He used to work at a sister paper in the advanced media umbrella. That's how we got to know each other early on. He does great work over there. And I told him when he's in town, like, hit me up. We'll go to grab wings and a beer. There's, there's certain like, you know, especially for the the teams that we play a lot. Like I feel like, uh, and by we, I mean the, the beat, <laughs> like we, like we go and, and, and experience. Right, right, right. Um, I feel like those, those relationships are, you're able to build those a little bit more. Um, I, there's one or two in the Kansas city, uh, Soren Petro. I, I do his show a lot. He's a really good, really good dude, but I feel like a lot of it's very surface level. Like um, I'm sure that there's a lot of people like, I will say Catherine, she's been in a couple different places. I think she, she's much more of like that. Like, I don't want to say social butterfly, but she is like she, and I think that goes into like her demeanor everywhere we go on the road. I feel like she knows other beat reporters. She's meeting up with other beat reporters. So it's, it's different for everybody. Um, I have, when I'm on the road, I, I, I spend most of the time with like Jay, John, um, Josh Reed, like mm-hmm. Joe Scalia, the, the Tim Graham, the usuals, you know? Right now blowouts aren't exciting when you go cover a game, but they do allow you sometimes to get an early start on a uh, post game stories. You know, I've, it's been a long time, but I've covered some Bills games before, never on the road, always at home. But, you know, I would see when the games, because I was, you know, the Bills would be getting blown out a lot, quite frankly. And, you know, people would start their stories early. Same thing on the hockey side. I've been a lot, covered lots of hockey games. The blowouts suck a little bit less for, for beat reporters and maybe the average fan purely for that reason that maybe you get a little bit of a head start on forming what you're going to write because it's not any kind of nail biter. Or you're like, Screw that, man. I want a close game no matter what. Um, yeah, like I see the thing that's changed this year a little bit for me is that we're not writing at the buzzer as much. Like mm-hmm. in years past, I would have like a, an immediate reaction story from things that I watched during the game. But I feel like that's A hasn't been performing as well, but B, it was a little bit of a chaos inducing experience for not only me, but the reader. So like what I like to do now is I like to, I like to have two solid stories that come out of each game. And so after the game, I'll go into the locker room and I'll bring the most interesting thing, whether it be a storyline that we talk about that, you know, there's good um, quotes from that I'll write on that. And then I'll usually do some type of feature story. Uh, one coming out of the Patriots game. I didn't feel like people were super excited after like that clinching win. Like I just didn't 
necessarily think people were talking about it a lot. I think people were like, all right, good. You beat the Patriots onto the Jets. And, it, and I kind of pushed my po- one of my postgame features for Wednesday. And sometimes I could do that because I didn't get enough from the locker room setting because I was kind of bounced between that and the um, press conference. So I'm going to go back in on Wednesday and, and kind of gather some more. And it wasn't something that needed to be up now. And I think it can add another dimension to the story. So that hopefully be out sometime Wednesday. It's on James Cook. Um, so it, it, it differs, but for Sal Mayorana and Jay at the Buffalo news, they got a story as soon as the final whistle blows. And that is like watching, um, somebody like Nick Walenda on the, on the wire walking across Niagara falls. It's, it's stressful. Can that be, I, I'm sure that's pretty interesting too. You know, before the game, like I said, you guys might go out and hang out a little bit the night before a game or, you know, breakfast together in the morning or, you know, have conversations before the game, once the game starts. But once that game ends, you guys are all in full work mode. You know what I mean? And, you know, Catherine might be funny games during the game or before the game, but she's got a job to do and Jay and you and everyone's got a job to do. So it gets down to business real quick. So like the game ends, your next step, you're off to the visiting locker room. You know, it's obviously from what I remember, the, the visiting locker room is not as big and cushy as the home locker room, and then maybe you're going to a press conference, you know, depending on who's up at the podium. Mm-hmm. Take listeners inside that process a little bit. All right, so the final whistle goes off. The, the, the scoreboard reads zero. You're sitting in the press box, Baltimore, whatever. What happens in that next, say, half hour from the game ending to when you got to get some of your content ready at least? Um, so that it's usually people are finishing everything they can at the computers, and it's different for everybody. Like, you know, some people are done. Some people like Tim Graham and the athletic dudes do not like, they don't file a story at the, at the buzzer either. So there's a lot of times like he'll be heading down to the press box before the game's even over to watch mm-hmm. the end of it in the tunnel or on the TVs down there. You could do that. Some people, you know, if, if, if it was a close game, like the Kansas city playoff game last year, and you're, you're just poking at that thing to the last second. And then you got to re you know, change something like that could add, you might just get down to the, to the locker room right as it's opening or after it opens, which can be stressful in its own right. And then it's like, you know, you got to make a decision. So I'm like a one man beat like at most games, if Ryan's not on the road with me, which he's not for most games. So I have to make a decision. Is it more worth my time to go talk to Josh and Diggs and McDermott, or is it better to go in and get locker room stuff, which I think is really why I'm on the road anyway. Um, so I choose to go in there because all that stuff is streamed. It's transcribed in most places. Um, and I'm not really going to ask so many different questions of Josh Allen in that five minute window. Sure. That I have to be there. So right. I go into the locker room and uh, usually try to get as much stuff out of there as I can talk to as many people. It's kind of like ping pong style. Like you're bouncing between lockers. You're trying to get as much content. And I go in with a plan, but your plan, you got to be nimble. Your plan can change. Somebody could say something that will affect you know, he's standing at Von Miller's locker. He, that's not a good example. He doesn't, he goes to the podium, but say you're standing at Boogie's locker room and he says something about Sha- Shaq from the game. You'll immediately pivot to getting Shaq's reaction to that. So it's like this, this game that you play and being in the right place at the right time and talk like, cause guys are going in the shower, then they leave. So if you don't get in their view fast enough, like I've, I've missed Singletary the last two weeks because he's just gotten out of the room too quick. So you're always playing that game of prioritizing who you have to go talk to and then trying to get as many people that you need to get. Um, because historically, it wasn't as much of a, of a pressing thing because there was Monday access in the locker room. Locker room was open four days a week 
in regimes past. But for the Bills, that locker room doesn't open back up now until Wednesday. So if you don't get that stuff, I mean, you're going to be really screwed for the next couple of days while you're trying to wait to get to that content, uh, more content on Wednesday. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so you get your post-game quotes in. You get, you know, whether you're writing something post-game, you're at least formulating your thoughts for some content that you're going to be doing over that night or, you know, the next couple days. But for you, that's not like even the end of the day. Um, you still have a podcast to do. So, I mean, again, when you're like saying Fox Pearl, for an example, it's, it, it's, it's already a long day for all you guys, but I'm sure it's, it's a long day for you and you have to do a podcast and you're doing it live. And, you know, it's different. Lots of people, lots of publications or outlets, I should say out there, do Bill's post-game stuff live, but it's a lot different when you're sitting at this desk, for an example, like I am, as opposed to you who's sitting in a, a press box, uh, you know, in a, in a visiting stadium or uh, another locker room. So you still got that aspect of your job to go after the game. Do you keep in touch with your partner, Ryan Talbot, like throughout the day or the night, depending on when the Bills are playing about, like when you guys are going to be starting some of the, you know, the things that you're going to be covering, things like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we have like a group chat with our with my editor, and I, I try to keep it as up to date as possible. But I'll be honest, there's sometimes where, you know, we go into our post game routine, and he won't hear back from me until like, hey, we're gonna go in five minutes. So he's always like ready to go for when you know it opens up because there's a it's a complicated like if you follow the the post game episodes, I could be coming to you from the field. I could be coming from you to you from like real quiet place in the press box. Uh, and I've seen you do them all too. Yeah. <laughs> a spot over in the, um, like I'll try to find a spot in one of the like uh, visiting or home team radio booths. Like sometimes those are open. Um, but yeah, just try to find anywhere I can to, you know, go for 45 minutes. And there's been shows I'm sure you've seen where like the cleaning staff will come in. There's one show last year, I think it was in New Orleans, where I found like a really nice location in a premium box, right? Like that it was cleared out like the second level. I go in there, I get going all of a sudden halfway through the show, you see like the cleaning staff coming behind me. Yeah. It kind of just totally threw off the vibe, but yeah, like I'd love to go down on the field for every single one, but I have to bring this, this, this uh, computer stand and it's like, and then hold the mic. And it's just like, I'd rather just put the mic, there's no perfect way to do it. We just try to get them done um, because that, that is kind of a cool thing to like be from the stadium. Um, Joe B does his podcast from the stadium most of the time, but it, it doesn't have the video component. So, and it's recorded like that yeah. comes out, you know, that'll come yes. out epic. You're on the fly. You're live. You, you know, warts and all you screw up the it's there for the world to see in real time. So it's yeah. a big difference. And you're the only one who does that live after the game. Like I said, other people like Joe, that you do do a pod. I know Sal, and Matt do a podcast. You know, a lot of guys who cover the team also do podcasts, but you're the one who's out there and you're having to do it live half hour, 60 minutes, whatever it may be after the game. As soon as you get the stuff that you got to get uh, post game. There's a question that 
probably only interests me because I'm a geek and nerd and probably other people don't give a shit about this. But like when you do go on the road and, and you're traveling and you got to do a podcast after, like, do you bring all your stuff with you? Obviously a, a laptop, of course, because you got to be able to connect. But like, do you, you lug your, the same microphone around that you have with you that, you know, in your home studio, uh, webcam, stuff like that? Everything yeah. fits in here. I can yeah. get the mic, the the noise canceller thing, the vibrator thing. Which is uh, important. This, yep. This goes, um, this is what holds it. And uh, all the other equipment goes right to the computer. It's, it's, it, I've gotten it to a point where it's like, it's really like a uh, convenient travel package for the show. It's not super, like the biggest thing would be like bringing the, I can fit my computer stand that I have at home here. It's nice because it goes up pretty high. Like I used it in LA because um, that's the thing. Like in a perfect world, I'd be able to do this off of my phone. But with this technology that we use and use the same program, it's just, it's a little too complicated on the phone. I've done it before. I did a couple live shows from Kansas City last year on it. And it just, it wasn't as good a quality. So we, when we can, I'd, I'd, I'd rather sacrifice the feel of the local spot for like the reliability of this, but I did bring this and I think Josh Reed took a picture of it and I have the, the computer stand, the computer and the mic standing in front of SoFi stadium in California earlier this year. So that was pretty cool. That was, that one, that was one that worked out and it was, it was nice, but then I'm using my phone internet. So like that can be a little bit of a crap shoot as well. So there's so many factors that go into producing the podcast on the road. We've done those live shows and that's why I specifically brought you in for the, the Stevie Johnson one because we've done so many of those. Now I've done some on the road. Like we did one in Kansas city on the road. We did one on Nash in Nashville two years ago. I was actually on the street on um, what's the big street, not bourbon street. Um, oh my gosh. I'm spacing on the big tenant Nashville uh, broad street. Uh, no, not broad street. Oh my gosh. I've never been there, so I can't help you with that. <laughs> Dude, this is going to bother me now. Uh, Nashville. Um, it's not Bourbon Street. What? It, what is it? It's um, Broadway. Oh, my gosh. What a failure I am. <laughs> anyway, um, I was literally on Broadway, and there was a, a bus of Bills fans driving by, honking their horn. They're getting plasters on the top of this two-foot, two-story bus, and I'm on the, I'm on the, so those are cool moments, but it was choppy. It was up and down when Ryan and I actually, when we were in new Orleans last year, we tried to do um, an on-site show at a bills mafia meetup and it went in and out and the quality was horrible. And so we just had to record it, but that was a mess too. So there's technical, there's technology that always comes into play, but I would say 90, we, we have, we're batting like 900, which is good for, for what we, what we do. Yeah, because it's beyond your control. You know, there's only so much you could do. Sometimes it's just the, the Wi-Fi don't want to cooperate or whatever. It's uh, beyond your control. Do you have a specific, like, most memorable Bills road game experience so far? Like, one or two that have really stood out to you? I know you talked about fans in, in uh, what was it, Kansas City before. Um, just generally speaking, you know, you've been on the road now plenty over the last handful of years. Well, I mean, COVID kind of screwed that up for a year. But, you know, for the most part, you've been on, on a lot of road trips. You got one or two that really stick out to you? Um, That's a great question. Um, I think Nashville has been – that was – I think it was before COVID in 19. I was, I was at um, – a party that night. I met some family members that were, that had gone down for the game bills fans. And I met them out on Broadway and we were at the top of like 
five or six story like bar like you every level was like a different theme and at the top there was like a rooftop bar and you could see down the stretch of of broadway and it was just a sea of josh allen jerseys I, i've never seen it and this is before he really entered superstardom so that was to me like mm-hmm. the real like listen we know we're buffalonians we know that this isn't some fad of a fan base um or fad driven fan bases but um it was just such a like that was the first time because even as a fan growing up, I didn't go to a lot of road games. Like I didn't even go to a lot of home games. I wasn't a. I, I like watching with my grandfather at home on Sundays. Like it was kind of like the the tradition. And so, now. what's that? That's how I am now. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that like being with the entire family, sure. And you can, um, you know, you could do that at the stadium, but it's just a little bit more difficult. Anyway, so being able to experience that a few times and then seeing that Nashville explosion. And that to me was the first time as they were ascending to getting good, where they absolutely took over a city. It was unbelievable to watch. So that, that to me is still up there. Bourbon street was an unbelievable party. Um, Bourbon street is as much of a shit show as you'd expect. Um, so yeah, those trips, you're what you mentioned earlier, like me being like 40 years old and getting older. Like I don't look forward to those trips as much, as much of a memory as that was, I'm not looking forward to another round on Bourbon Street. Like that wasn't a that wasn't like I didn't feel great the next day. Luckily that was a night game. Otherwise, <laughs> do you run in any Bills fans like consistently? Like there's some of the usual suspects. There's a lot of fans that you know go to a lot of these road games. Yeah, you, you kind of run into them on any kind of regular basis, or pretty much like I said, just between you being in the hotel and yeah, from the stadium, you don't see them as much. But I know a lot of them go. They like you said this. They travel. It's not just words. Bills fans like legit travel well. Uh, if I'm lucky, I get to hang out with LaShawn uh, German on a couple trips a year. I mean, he is an awesome Bills fan. Great and is, dude, man. You know, obviously known for just the giving nature of his fandom. Uh, he's taken – I don't even – I'd love to know where the numbers are at on that. I've seen Del Reed on the road. Um, you know, funny story, Sarah Larson, uh, who I know we both know, yeah. Um, I had not met her yet. I, I don't think he, I even really knew her too much on social media yet, but I think we had just like, she had shared a story or said something nice on Twitter. And so I, I saw her profile picture and knew what she looked like. And it was a couple of years. It was before COVID and we're going, I'm going through the, uh, on the new, the New Jersey transit into New York city before it was the weekend of a Jets game. And I'm, I see her like at the other end of the platform and, and it was in Secaucus, I think. So there wasn't a lot of people there. And I looked down, and I'm like, man, she looks just crazy familiar. Cause I think she had just shared or interacted with an article that I just did. But, you know, in the middle of New Jersey, New York City, you're not really like stopping to talk to people. So we kind of both like looked at each other, thought that we knew each other, but just went on our way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like the next day or later that night, she, she uh, either tweeted at me or DM me and said, was that you in the, in the subway? Uh, um, walkway waiting area i'm like yes i thought that was you and i couldn't <laughs> place it and i was like oh my gosh i should have said hi but we've interacted since seen each other since and uh she's one of the regulars she goes to every game and her kenny's um pinto ron's his story is so unbelievable i've i've met him i've done a story on him i, I see him on the road all the time his story is is great right like sure sarah's might be more impressive she is a displaced bills fan that yep. goes on the road to road games and comes to Buffalo every home game. Like that's home games are road games travel. for her. She that's has one, one home game a year. The Miami game is her home game. 
yeah, she look, there's lots of great Bills fans. Pendle Ryan, Kristen Kimmick's going to all the games. There's a lot of like the, these people are going to all the games. Sarah travels from the Fort Lauderdale area to Buffalo for every home game. And then she goes on the road. She's been at like 30 something. This is her second year, too, of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, some of these Bills fans are are just uh they're dedicated, they're phenomenal. Anyway, one now I know you like going to Nashville. You talk about the party in uh Louisiana. You got one or two like favorite stadiums that you've been to? Like, forget about the city itself, like awesome stadiums. That's a great question. Um I gotta say, like NFL stadiums are a little cookie cutter, like in the like the bowels and like you sure. know, the, the a lot of the modern ones. It was cool. Lambeau Field was cool until we got into the press box. So everything else about Lambeau was super cool, historic. And then all of a sudden, you take the elevator. You're literally at the top of the stadium. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. you got to basically like lift off your seat like this to look down and see the game being played. So I can't put that in the Pantheon just because of that. Dude, SoFi Stadium was just majestic. It, yeah, it was, was Every piece of it from the walk-in, although it was a long walk. I think we, we clocked it at just under a mile from our car to get into the stadium. It was a, it was a haul. Um, that piece of it was it's – a, it's a small city, but just the, the detail and how cool it is. The best vibe in a, in a stadium that I've had, by far, Minnesota. It's open air press box, so that's a big reason why. But they do those skull chants, and they have all these like pregame theatrics – you get, you don't need any coffee that day because that is going to get you juiced <laughs> up to watch a football game. It is like they're like they're doing drums and there's this war chant and it's like this whole thing and it, it's pretty cool. Like some and and the Bucks do that I think to a degree. Tampa Bay has something like that, but nothing like Minnesota. And it's not open air, so it's a little bit different from a press perspective. But yeah, there's some cool stadiums. I know you guys might come off a little diva ish, but whatever, man. What are like one or two press boxes that like suck? You know, and again, people, I know they're out there, oh, whatever, you get to go to the game for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but you got a job to do. Like, what's a press box or two that just blows, man? It's like the view's terrible or whatever. The food might be terrible. Everything about the press box. So, the, so you know, a funny story, the Jets press box food stinks. Like, it's terrible, yeah. right? <laughs> but it's like an owner thing because we went to, when they had the back-to-back, the Giants and the Jets, the Giants was this amazing spread. This great, like, you know, yeah, and I, and I know fans listening to press guys complain about food. It's like <laughs> the last thing on anybody's oh, shit, list that they want to they wanna hear. But there's literally a difference between the pregame and in-game food in the press box for a Giants game versus a Jets game. So I can't really throw them down too much because that was a kind of a, a good experience. Um, yeah, it's, it's hit or miss. I didn't think Detroit was great from that perspective, but it's an open air. Ford Field's nice, so that was kind of cool. Um, Miami is like blah, Hard Rock's blah, like, I don't know. But they're, I mean, they're all pretty similar. Like I said, like there's, the Packers was the worst press box view I've ever had. And Kansas City's not great either. And I, I heard uh, a little birdie told me, and by little birdie, I mean it's just like a rumor that I've heard. I, it's now it's nobody inside the Bills or anything, but like that there there could be like a really cool spot for the press box in the new Bills stadium. So that's going to be fun to to watch and wait for that um, in a couple years here. A couple of things, and I'll let you go here, Matt. So, so we're talking about road travels and, and stuff like that. Thanksgiving is kind of becoming a regular uh, thing with the Buffalo Bills now playing on the road back to back years of. Uh, 
being on the road for Thanksgiving, again, as somebody, you know, a married man with a wife and, and children, it's got to be a little bit bittersweet having to work away from home on Thanksgiving. Now, players do it every year. You know, lots of media right. does it. But uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's got to be a, a little bit conflicting. No? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, my – when they had the Dallas game and my wife was so heartbroken – um. I was like, don't worry. Like, this is literally the first time in 28 years the Bills have played on Thanksgiving. This is like, we won't see this again for decades. And then we turn around, we have the COVID year, and then 21 and 22 back-to-back years on Thanksgiving, and she's like, you need to find a new profession. (laughs) But no, it's frustrating, and it's it's something that, like, what makes it extra difficult for us, our family, is her grandmother passed away last year I believe it was last year. It um, might have been the year before, but I'm pretty sure it was last year. And her aunt on Grand Island had hosted it for years, but she's getting older and they were looking on Grand Island, everybody to go out there. So they were looking for a place to kind of relocate Thanksgiving. And she raised her hand during COVID and saying like, I'll, I'll take it over. Not thinking like the first two years she's done it last year when we were in New Orleans and this year's in Detroit, it would be with her husband out of town for the Wednesday Cause I leave early on Wednesday for the Thanksgiving games. Um, so I'm gone Wednesday and Thursday and she's got to basically host Thanksgiving a 30 person party two years in a row. So that hasn't been ideal. And you know, Christmas Eve, I'm not super thrilled about, we weren't going to get around that. I would prefer Christmas Eve to Christmas day on the sure. road, but it just feels like all these big holidays have been road games. So that's been, it's been kind of disappointing. Hopefully if, if they get a Thanksgiving game here in the next couple of years or even next year, cause they love putting them on there at home. Christmas Eve is at Chicago this year, correct? For the yes. Bills, is that yes. has that been announced as a day or that's a day game? Right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's the first game, so it's at noon, which is nice. It's it's one o'clock, but it's a noon Chicago time game, which means we'll get done at about three fifteen, get locker room, and then we're heading right to the airport and flying back that night. So we'll work on the plane. Um, I got to figure out the podcast. We might just do the podcast that night, late night, like when I get back home at like nine thirty or ten. We'll see. That might be the one where I don't do in a stadium just because we won't have the time. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last thing, man. You, you kind of hit it on this uh, earlier, looking ahead to the schedule. You like to do that ahead of time, like months in advance. I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do your job for you right now because I'm looking at the 2023 opponents. I don't know if you've looked at this yet, but obviously, and again, we've been talking about being on the road for, for the season. You obviously got Miami, New Jersey, Foxborough, of course. Next year, the Bills are going to – Washington, mm-hmm. Kansas City, which, God, you should know Kansas City pretty much by heart at this point. You like L.A., you're going to L.A. again because they're playing the Chargers next year. Uh, right. Philly and whoever the AFC North team is, which got to – assuming the Bills finish first in the in the division, you're probably you're looking at Cincinnati. Ugh, two or, years in a row. Uh, Baltimore. Have you been to all those cities before? I'm trying to think in my mind. Like, obviously, I don't know about Philly or Washington. Those would be the two that – I don't know if you've been there. Have you been there? I've been to Philly, but um, not for football. Um, Cincinnati, this will be my first time. And we were kind of bummed that it happened when it did because I would have taken the family on that one. It's drivable. It's not It's not super short. It's like seven and a half. But uh, they have a great zoo there, so we would have tried to knock that out. But you can't do that, obviously, in the middle of winter. You can, but I don't think it'll be as, as good. So Cincinnati will be something that I, I knock off. Philadelphia uh, will be something that I knock off. And I'm really closing in now on a good chunk, a number of the stadiums. There's a couple of folks in the press box that they only have like one or two stadiums in the NFL that they haven't been yet. 
Um, I think I'm going to get it down to single digits here by the end of the season with a couple more to get knocked off next season. One other thing, too, there's a chance that the Bills might end up playing somewhere overseas next year, man. How, yeah. would, how would you feel about that if you're going to to London whether or even Mexico, wherever it may be? I, I think there's a good chance that the Bills are finally going to play overseas. Well, I'm hoping London. Germany, although I love London, but I've been to London when I was with the, with the UFC, so Germany would be like a new experience that I think would be fun. Um, you know, Mexico as well. Um, so I, the London one, my wife has never – traveled internationally so that would be one that we try to figure out if we can to take advantage of the trip but yeah i'm looking i i love i love i've loved my experiences internationally like brazil um the uk and then australia was a crazy long flight but so worth it the the views like the water there the ocean and like all the different structures they have and just the melbourne the city is just unbelievable so I, I love international travel, so the more of that that's available, the more I'll, I'm willing to do it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. This was cool, man. I thought this was something different. We already know the Bills are good. If you want to hear about the Bills, make sure you check out Shout Buffalo Football Podcast with Matt and Ryan. I thought this was a nice little peek, giving people a glimpse of what it's like to, to cover games on the road and some of the things that, uh, that go on with it. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt Perino. Thanks, as always, for being on the show. Like I said, kind of weird looking at you from your home office. Usually when I see you in that <laughs> setting, it's watching you and Ryan do your thing. But uh, next time, it'll definitely be somewhere over wings. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you very much, man. Anytime, brother. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com